Welcome to Entrusted Ministries with T.K. Anderson, who is the senior pastor of Compass Church in Monterey County, California. A big shout out to a couple of our network stations, WNVY in Pensacola, Florida, both AM and FM, and KERI AM in Bakersfield, California. And as we continue to grow, we have two new stations joining us today. The first is Scranton, Pennsylvania, WITK AM and FM, and Tupelo, Mississippi, WCPC, both AM and FM. If you'd like to help us to continue to share the love of Jesus with more new stations, you can go to our website, entrusted.tv. That's entrusted.tv to make a donation. And for a gift of any amount, we will send you a copy of Pastor Anderson's newest book, Freedom, Living Above Your Circumstance. We are in a new series that helps unpack for you some of the great truths of God's Word. It's called Discovering God. What is this series all about, Pastor? Well, this series is centered on taking a look at the top 10, 316 verses of the Bible. You know, most people know about John 3.16, but did you know that there are many more just like it? In fact, what we've done in this series is to unpack 10 of the most powerful 3.16 verses in all of Scripture. And in that process, we will discover 10 amazing attributes of God's character that show us just how much He loves each and every one of us. It is a fantastic series that we are actually turning into my next book to be released this fall. We'll be looking forward to that. But also next year, for all the listeners, in May of 2024, you are invited to join us for a trip to the Holy Land. It's going to be a fabulous time to experience the land of the Bible. And all the information is available for you at our website, entrusted.tv. That's entrusted.tv. But thanks for listening today, and I'll be sure to catch up with you at the end of today's program. In 2009, uh, quarterback Tim Tebow prepared himself for college football's national championship game. And he wrote John 3.16 under his eyes for all the world to see. He said, God kept bringing to my heart this particular verse, which, which is the essence of Christianity. Well, after winning the game, Tebow heard that 94 million people Googled this famous Bible verse. He said, I was just so humbled by how big God is. But that's not where the story ends. Because in 2012, precisely three years later, Tim Tebow found himself playing quarterback against the Pittsburgh Steelers in an NFL playoff game. After the Broncos won the game, he headed to the post-game press conference and his sports agent stopped him in the hallway and said, Timmy, Timmy, do you realize what just happened tonight? And Timmy said, yeah, or, or Tebow said, yeah, we, we just beat the, the Steelers and we're heading off to play the Patriots. And the agent said, no, 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 do you realize what happened during the game tonight? And Tebow went on to say, he told me that during the game, I threw for 316 yards. My yards per completion were 31.6. My yards per rush were 3.16. The TV ratings for the night were 31.6. And the time of possession was 31 minutes and 6 seconds. During the game, again, over 90 million people Googled John 3.16. 
The agent told him it's the number one trending thing on every platform across America today. Tebow says, I believe, yeah, it's an applause for the Lord, huh? <laughs> Tebow said later, I believe God did something miraculous on that night. I just have to be willing to step out and say, here you go, God. I'm going to give you my fishes and my loaves, and I'll watch what you do with it. Interesting. You know, there's no doubt that this verse, John 3.16, is the most popular verse in the entire Bible. And if you think about it, it's been printed on more bumper stickers and T-shirts and hats, as well as written on faces and fabric and poster boards and any other verse. But the question becomes, what makes this one verse so popular? Maybe it's because it's easy to remember. It is an easy-to-remember type of verse. Maybe it's just because it's a cultural thing. It's, there's a, a repetition to it. We see it a lot of places. I think it's something else. I think it's because there is a message built into this particular verse that's a message from God. And that when we hear it, it resonates within each and every one of us at the deepest place of our spirit, in our core, in our heart. So today, as we mentioned, we're continuing our series called Discovering God, 10 Ways That God Shows You His Love. And we've been looking at 10, 316 verses and as we study these passages, what we're learning is that we're learning that God loves us by connecting to us in different and various ways throughout these special passages. And of course, today, John 3.16 is no exception. So in today's story, I think we're going to discover four things about God's love that if we allow it, will transform our lives. I really do. These four things will help you and I to overcome your situation crush your problems, and overthrow your fears. So let's take a look at this impactful verse up on the screen. Here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the verse. And let's break it down because I think there's going to be four things, as I said, we're going to learn. What's the first thing we learn as we break this down? The first thing we learn is that God's love is universal. Where do we get that from? Well, we look at the very first part of the verse. It says, for God so loved the world. I was on an airplane uh, a few years ago. I remember sitting next to a person who discovered I was a pastor. Uh, now, it's kind of interesting when you're a pastor and you're on an airplane because only one of two things happens when people discover what you do for a living. They either immediately scoot themselves this way, away from you, <laughs> or they immediately turn into you and start asking you a bunch of questions. So I don't know which one's better because it depends if you want privacy or not. But I do know this, that the people that do turn away, I don't have to fight for the armrest, so that's actually a benefit. So I got that going for me. That's in the plus column. This particular guy, though, he found out I was a pastor, and he, uh, of course, the conversation turned to spiritual matters, and he wanted to know what I thought was the most powerful or the most convincing verse in the whole Bible. So, of course, I started with this famous passage. I think it's John 3.16. And I'll never forget this because as I began sharing the first part, for God so loved the world, he said, stop, stop right there. I said, okay, well, why? He said, well, why does God love the world? I mean, if I was God, I wouldn't love this place. Have you seen it lately? If I created it, I'd be kind of embarrassed. <laughs> These people are a mess down here. Nobody gets along. They're angry. They treat each other wrong. You know, what's there to love about this world? I thought, well, that's a pretty good question. And I thought, you know, I can understand that question for somebody who doesn't understand God's character, doesn't understand God's nature, and what the whole big picture of this is all about. Uh, C.S. Lewis once said this. He said, God loved us not because we are lovable, but because he is love. And that's true in your personal life. You know, I know your mom and your grandmom, uh, they say you're lovable. 
But to the rest of us, you're just another person. So you got to understand that. And we got a lot of weird things going on in our lives, don't we, sometimes? But God loves you, not because you and I are necessarily lovable. God loves us because he is love. That's who he is. You see, part of God's nature is he simply loves us because that's who he is. In other words, God cannot do anything other than love us because that's who he is. It's like asking you and I to stop being human. It's like asking your dog to stop barking, right? Dogs bark. It's what they do. It's part of their nature. God loves us because it's who he is. We can't stop being human because it's who we are. So when the Bible says, for God so loved the world, what this means, it's, it's universal. It means his love is for everyone. It's for the entire world. You and I cannot corner the market on God's love. Many people have done that in the past. Many religious leaders and, or organizations, they've tried to corner the market on God's love. But it can't be done. Why? Because as soon as somebody opens the Bible, God reveals his love to them through the pages of Scripture. It's right there for everyone to see. Now, because God is love and he loves the whole world, it carries a few implications. Here's the first one in your notes. The first one means that God's love then is universal in its geography. God's love is universal in its geography. What does that mean? Well, it means there isn't a place uh, on the planet. There isn't a, a section of our country. There isn't some group of people that God loves more or less than any others. Uh, we act like that sometimes. We love certain things in certain places, but God's not like that at all. People get all twisted up in terms of a person's value based on their race or maybe their nationality or their uh, country of origin. But I have some newsflash for you. God doesn't. God doesn't care where you come from. According to the Bible, we're all part of one race, and it's called the human race. And that's it. That's how God views us. God wants every single person on the entire planet to be in a personal relationship with him. So God's love is universal in its geography. What's the second application? God's love is universal in its application. So God's love is universal in application. So when the Bible says that God loves the world, what does it mean? It doesn't mean that God loves all the elements found in the world. Like, I don't think God loves mud too much, right? Or maybe probably mosquitoes, right? I don't know. He, maybe he does. I don't. I can tell you that right now. But you get what I'm saying. God doesn't necessarily love all the things that the world contains. In other words, when we treat each other wrong, God doesn't love that. God doesn't love it when we disobey his will. He doesn't love those things. God's love is universal in that it can be applied to all situations that you and I go through in helping us to come back to him. That's the application, how God's love is utilized in our life. So what does that mean? It means if you're going through a difficult season right now, God may not love the season that you're going through, but he loves the fact that as you go through that season, you turn your eyes back to him, the application of his love can be seen and felt. The Bible reminds us in Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 39, I love this verse, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate you or separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, no situation, no location, no possibility is ever going to separate you from God's love that's in Christ Jesus. So not only is God's love universal, but the second thing we learn is just as important. God's love is unmerited. So go ahead and fill that in. God's love is unmerited. What do we mean by that? Well, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son. He gave his only son. That's the second part of the verse. So what does unmerited mean? It's a big word. It means uh, something that's undeserved, right? Something that's unearned. And maybe you have received something you didn't earn. Maybe uh, you've received a present. Maybe there was a bonus at work you weren't expecting. Maybe a teacher uh, gave you some extra credit, more than you deserved. That's kind of what the Bible is talking about here with God giving us his son. We didn't deserve it. 
You see, when God gave Jesus, you and I didn't deserve it. No one in all of humanity deserved it. Not a chance. Humanity messed up from the very start. If you know the biblical narrative, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And at that moment, sin entered the world. And the world became broken the way we see it today. It's broken. And we've been experiencing this brokenness ever since. But God didn't want to leave us this way. He didn't want to leave you in a condition of brokenness. And so he sent his son to redeem you. That's what he did, unmerited. He gave his only son to rescue us. Romans 5.8 reminds us, but God showed. God showed. He didn't just tell us. He showed his great love for us. By doing what? By sending Christ to die for us. When? While we were still sinners. Sinners being separated from God. Separated from God. A million miles away from God. While we were in that condition, God decided to send his son to die for us upon a cross. Unmerited. There was nothing you and I could do to inherit this. He just did it. So what does it mean to you and I today as we sit here in this auditorium? What it means is that you have value to God. That's what it means. You have value to God. You're worth rescuing. I want you never to forget that because in a world that tries to beat you down and tries to tell you you're worthless, God is saying you're worth my son. You're worth his son, the death upon the cross. You may be feeling, feeling a million miles away from God. Something may have happened to you. Maybe you got caught up into something and, and maybe life hasn't turned out the way you want it to. Hasn't turned out the, in a way in which it honors God. And you know that. And you sit here today and you feel a little bit ashamed. You feel confused. You feel devastated. You feel hurt. And you desperately want to get real with God. You desperately want to make a clean slate, but you don't know what to do. You feel like someone hijacked your future and you just want to get it back. Hmm. That's real. People feel that way. You know, a few years ago, there was a true story about a man uh, who lived in New York City and he was kidnapped. And his kidnappers called his wife and asked for a $100,000 ransom. Well, the wife talked him down to $30,000. It's a true story. Right? Crazy, huh? I think my wife would do that, actually. A <laughs> hundred? Well, this story actually had a positive conclusion. The man returned home unharmed. The money was recovered, and the kidnappers were actually caught and eventually sent to jail. But I do kind of wonder what happened when the man got home, right? He found out his wife got him for a discount. <laughs> I mean, you can imagine the phone. Oh, this is the kidnappers. We want $100,000 for your husband. $100,000? What are you, crazy? Have you seen that guy? He's out of shape. <laughs> He's definitely not in his prime. I mean, you know, 20 years ago, I could have got 100 out of him, but 100,000 not going to happen. 30,000, my top. That's it. That's as far as I go. Click, take it or leave it. And I feel for this guy. I really do. But getting back to the message, it's true for all of us, isn't it? At some point, we discover we're not as cool as we think we are. We're not as popular or prestigious or prominent as we once thought. You know, doesn't life have a way to knock off the edges of our ego? Doesn't it? Has a way to take us down a few notches. But yet here's the problem with all of that. If we're not careful, it takes us down too far. and We find ourselves in a place where we feel as though we have little or no value. And that happens to people. And I don't want that to happen to you today. I want you to know that God's love for you is unmerited. And because he loves you so much, he sent his only son to die for you upon the cross. So that means you do have intrinsic value. So that's where the love of God kicks in. What kind of love is it? The Bible calls it an agape love. So some of you may know that this word love in the Bible is used 
four different ways. That's how they used it in the ancient world. There was storge, which was a family-type love. There was uh, phileo, which is uh, kind of a, a brotherly or a, a, a friendly love. It's where we get the name Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. There is uh, eros, which is where we have romantic-type love. And then there's what's called agape love. And this is the love the Bible's talking about. Agape love is the sacrificial love, selfless love, kind of love that a parent has for a child, right? You do anything for your child. And that's what God's talking about here. It's the highest form of affection. And Jesus shared this love with his disciples. Look at John 15, verse 13. He says, greater love, that word, if you look it up in the Greek, is agape. Okay, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends, sacrifice, give his life for you. That's what God did for you. And you don't give your life for somebody if you don't care about them. How many know what I'm talking about? You only give your life for people that you love. So putting this all together, we're seeing a picture here of God. We're seeing a picture of God sending his son Jesus in a sacrificial way to redeem you because of his agape love for you. It's unmerited, it's undeserved, it's unwarranted, it's unearned. And so we've learned two things already today. One, God's love is universal. The second, God's love is unmerited. What's the third thing we discover in our verse today? The third thing we discover is God's love is unconditional. I love this one. God's love is unconditional. So God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, that whoever believes in him, it's unconditional. In our 316 story, uh, it says that when we believe in Jesus, something happens. We're going to get to that in just a second. But let's unpack this part where it says believe in him and the whoever part. So when the Bible says whoever believes in him, uh, who does that include? It literally includes anyone, including you. I once had someone ask me when I was younger, they said, when, when the Bible says whoever, does it actually mean whoever, or does it really mean whoever goes to church? Or is it uh, whoever grew up in a Christian home, or whoever has special God access, that's who God allows to go to heaven. And I don't know what special God access is, but it literally means whoever. You look it up in the original language, it's all, it's everyone. In fact, it's the most inclusive way you can say it. There is nothing exclusionary about God's love. Look at this verse in 1 Timothy 2.4, another favorite verse I love. God wants everyone to be saved. Say it with me, everyone, everyone. So does that, include, does that exclude anyone? God wants everyone to be saved, but don't miss the second part of this verse. He wants everyone to be saved and to what? Know the whole truth, not a partial truth. He wants everyone to know the whole truth. He wants everyone to be saved. So he invites everyone to be saved, and he invites everyone to know the whole truth. Now, John 14, 6, who's the truth? Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when he says, I want everyone to be saved and to know the whole truth, now we're getting somewhere. Are we getting what we're saying here? Not my truth. Not my interpretation of the truth. God wants us to know the whole truth. So a simple way you could say it is this. He wants us to live out the way Jesus lived out his life on planet Earth. So how do I know if something's right or wrong in my life? All these moral complications, all these uh, moral questions and lifestyle questions we have. You go back into the scripture and you see how Jesus lived. And if you live the way Jesus lived, then you're living the truth. You're knowing the truth. That's how you do it. That's how God's teaching us here. He provides for you and I a better way. We come to Jesus just as we are. We may be messed up, mixed up, torn up. And guess what he does? He fixes us, restores us, and remakes us. And he provides for you and I a better way, a more fulfilling way to live our life based upon this idea of knowing and understanding and living the whole truth. There's a cool uh, area in Israel. It's called the Jesus Path. 
And it's the path Jesus walked from Nazareth to the Sea of Galilee, and then around Galilee and then down to Jerusalem. One day, I would love to do this. I would love to backpack that whole thing and stop the places where Jesus stopped along the way because they have a mark. They know exactly where he stopped and then write a whole book on the Jesus path. Wouldn't that be cool? But we don't have to do that. Hopefully, I'll do that one day. But what you can do is start living the Jesus path today. So Jesus provides for us a way to live based on the whole truth. How about this word believe? What does that mean? So this is a fun word because does it mean just to agree that Jesus was a true historical figure? Kind of like I would agree and you would, would agree that Abraham Lincoln lived, right? Do, does it say when I believe in him, does that mean that I just ascend some sort of mental agreement that Jesus was a historical figure or is it something far greater? Well, it is actually something far greater. If you look up the original word, it's pastuo. That's the word for believe. And it means actually to place your trust in someone. It means to have confidence in the person to carry out what they said or say they can do. So, for instance, for you and I, each and every day we do this. We, we trust the bank to keep our money, don't we? You're sitting in the bank right now. Are you running over there checking on it, or do you trust the bank's keeping your money? We trust engineers of airplanes that they'll design them right so it, wasn't, so it won't fall out of the sky. I mean, think about that. We're going 550 miles per hour, 30,000 feet in the air, and we're watching a movie while we do it. It's crazy. Why? Because we trust. We trust the engineers have done their job right. We trust in people all the time. So trusting or believing in Jesus means placing your life in his hands, both in the way you live out your life. In other words, if Jesus says to live this way and my culture says not to live this way, who am I going to believe? Let me say that again. Jesus says to live this way. My culture says it's archaic, it's backwards, it's some sort of a thing. They put a label on it. I'm not going to dive into all the labels. They put a label on this action or behavior or the way we're supposed to live, am I supposed to trust in Jesus that that's how I'm supposed to live, or do I trust in what the world tells me how to live? You and I face this every single day. So who am I going to believe? That's what, this is, that's what the text is saying. If you believe in him, you then will have the next step, which we'll talk about eternal life, and we'll talk about what that means. So God's love is universal, it's unmerited, it's unconditional. Finally, we find the fourth thing, which is unending. God's love is unending. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but should have eternal life. A man once observed a young boy out in a field flying a kite, and he noticed that there was something odd about the way the boy was standing and holding the string. And he walked up to the boy, and he learned that the young man was blind. And the man said, do you like flying kites? And the boy said, I sure do. And the man was a bit curious. He said, well, how is that? Because you can't see it. And the little boy said, well, I may not be able to see the kite, but I can feel its pull. And God's love for us pulls in a similar way at our hearts and lets us know that he's here. Writer of scripture says that God actually planted eternity in our hearts. God planted eternity in the human heart. That's why 80% of Americans believe in God. In fact, you probably asked yourself, what happens when I die? Where do I go? It's something universal. All human beings ask this question. And you're not alone in sensing there is something beyond this life, something greater, something waiting us. When I lived in Arizona, I once took a uh, motorcycle trip. I went down to Tombstone, Arizona. So you might know that name. There's been movies made about it. And I visited the famous Boot Hill Cemetery, where there's a, a cast of characters that are buried there. I recalled seeing a late 1800s epitaph for a bank teller. His name was Lester Moore, and here's what his uh, tombstone read. Here lies Lester Moore, four slugs from a 44, no less, no more. <laughs> Reminds me of another one I saw. 
in Maryland. Here lies an atheist, all dressed up and no place to go. <laughs> well, in both cases, the humor is fantastic, but the theology is horribly wrong. Because <laughs> according to the Bible, when you and I die, we pass on to eternity. That's what the Bible's teaching us in this last part of this powerful verse. When you believe in Jesus, you won't perish, but you will have eternal life. Let's take a look at the perish part. What does that mean? Perish means to be eternally separated from God. That's what it means. For all eternity, eternally separated from God and with no way to get back. The Bible calls that location hell. Some people say, well, pastor, you can't say that. People don't like to hear that anymore. Well, it's not me. It's Jesus. Perish means to be eternally separated from God. And without God, you have no way to get back. You're eternally separated from him. Some people say, well, why does God send people to hell? Well, he doesn't. You see, according to the Bible, God doesn't want anyone to perish, that you should not perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. In fact, he's made it possible that no one has to. But men and women, when you and I reject God, you're setting yourself up for an eternity without him. Do you know why we have John 3.16? Think about that. Do you know why we have it? Well, we have it because there was a man named Nicodemus. And he came to Jesus at nighttime in the story. You can go home and read it later. And he came to Jesus at nighttime privately because he was concerned with his social standing. He didn't want to be, uh, he was afraid of what people would say about him. But on that night, Jesus explained to this Jewish ruler how to experience God's love. And here's a fun question I like to ask people. Do you know what happened to the man who first heard John 3.16? Do you know what happened to him? Not at first. Did he say yes to follow Jesus? Not at first. But here's what happened to him. In John 19, verse 38 to 42, we find out that it was Nicodemus and Joseph of Amarathea that actually helped prepare Jesus' body for burial. So he did eventually say yes to Christ. And did you know church history tells us he was martyred for his faith in Jesus in the first century? That's pretty fascinating. But how about you? Have you said yes to Jesus? and his promises to you found in John 3.16. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to today's message, and I am confident that you have found inspiration in God's Word and that your faith has been reinforced today. Remember that no matter what challenges you may be facing, God is powerful enough to meet you right where you are, and all the resources in heaven are available to support you. Let me pray for us. Dear Father, we lift up all of our listeners to you today with full confidence in your goodness and your greatness. We trust that you will provide them with the protection and provision that they need in their lives. We also ask that your peace would guard their hearts and minds until the day of Jesus' return or until we're called home. With our whole hearts, we serve you and ask for your blessings. In Jesus' name, we confidently pray. Amen. Well, thanks, Pastor Anderson, for that message and the prayer. Entrusted Ministries is provided to you by partners just like you from across America. If you'd like to help us continue to share the love of Jesus with this ministry, I want to encourage you to make a donation at the website entrusted.tv. That's entrusted.tv to make a gift. And remember... For a donation of any amount, we will send you a copy of Pastor Anderson's newest book, Freedom, Living Above Your Circumstance. 
Also, if you'd like to go to the Holy Land with Pastor Anderson in May of 2024, you're invited to join us as we help make the Bible come to life. It will be a special trip for you. It will be incredible to see for yourself the land of the Bible. All the information is available for you at entrusted.tv. Thank you for listening and see you next week at this same time on this same station.